Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. For our first session today, we are having Najee Dorsey. And this is being moderated by Ayana Najuma. Additional guests are artist Aziza Claudia Gibson Hunter, Michael McCoy, and Lavette Ballard. Please put your hands together. Good afternoon. I am Ayana Najuma, and I'd like you to welcome you to an afternoon of walking down history and then moving you into the future. Today's uh, session is entitled Spiral Now, 55 Years Later, New Artists, Familiar Struggle. This program is being presented by Black Art in America, and I'd like to uh, also thank the March on Washington Film Festival for realizing how important art is in culture and that it's important that people move forward in terms of understanding uh, art and its impact on society. Um, I'd like to first introduce Najee Dorsey. Najee is the founder, uh, the visionary of Black Art in America. And I'd first like to ask you, Najee, can you tell us a little bit about what brought you to the point of deciding to do mm -hmm. Spiral Now? Okay, so when, when we was presented the opportunity to partner with the March on Washington Film Festival to create this, uh, this experience, you know, I got to looking at history and, 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 and recall that Spiral, the original group, Bearden, Hell Woodruff, Charles Austin, uh, Mayhew, and a number of others, they actually had their first meeting 55 years to the day on July 5th. And I was like, oh my God, what synergy is that? They were also organized because they were uh, pulling together uh, for the upcoming March on Washington, which would have been in 64. And I'm like, well, this is the March on Washington Film Festival. And when you take a look at the history, uh, there's a particular synergy, but also the fact that the issues that many of those artists were dealing with at that time, we still face those issues today. And so as artists, contemporary artists, um, that's continuing to have that voice and interest in you know, human rights, civil rights, uh, social justice, and things of that nature, it, it seems to pose a perfect uh, opportunity to partner with the March on Washington Film Festival to present a new generation of artists, a new voice, and also honor the artists of the past um, uh, with an exhibition of some of the works, but really just sharing the stories of those artists and the artists today. You know, I, that's a particular synergy there, I felt. Well, as we well know, Spiral was a major move. It was right after the March on Washington, and the artists, as Najee had mentioned, were accomplished. Some were very new to the world of art, but we're starting to ask the question, how do we fit into society? What type of contribution can we make in society? And it's a question that continued to be asked as far back as the Harlem Renaissance period in the 20s, the Harlem Art Guild in the 30s, and now we're still asking that question today. And so for Najee to have the insight to say, well, you know, what do we need to do in terms of maybe putting a pause, as I would say, uh, behind that question, or maybe even possibly even eliminating the possible possibility of having that question is a part of our consciousness. It, it made me think about how important it is to talk about contemporary artists and what they're thinking and how they see the world and, and whether this question of how I fit into the world really makes a difference. Um, I'd like to start out with Michael. Um, Michael McCoy is a, an accomplished photographer. He comes out of the military environment, having been uh, in the military and doing several tours in uh, Iraq. Um, after doing all this research on Michael, I was so pulled into understanding uh, his life and his experiences and found out that part of his life experience in terms of dealing with that <coughs> thing called war was to embrace photography. Can you tell us a little bit more, Michael, about how your work has been able to wrap its arms around social justice issues, why it's important, and what you're filming and, and seeing in terms of the images that you're shooting uh, every day out there in the, <coughs> in the world? Um, first, I want to thank Najee for allowing me this opportunity. Um, when it comes to me and my work, I like to use my camera as a tool. And this camera here, it goes everywhere I go. And this is a tool that I use to photograph and share the stories of those who don't have a voice. Um, growing up in Baltimore, 
I grew up maybe about 10 blocks from Freddie Gray. So <clears throat> when the Baltimore uprisings hit, hit home to me, because I realized I'm Freddie Gray. You know, Najee's Freddie Gray. And, you know, any African-American male and, you know, from the way things are going nowadays, females are Freddie Grays as well. So I figured I'd use my camera to tell the stories of the voiceless whose stories otherwise, you know, never get told. To take it one step further, okay. um, as you start to shoot images, what is the response of some of the people that you're shooting? Are they open to uh, letting their stories be told? Do they see the value in being able to allow you to utilize that camera to make a difference in society? Um, not at first. Um, a lot of people that have a photograph, especially in environments like that, they don't know they're being they don't know that they're being photographed. And the ones who are aware of being photographed, you know, after talking to them and getting their life life stories, and you know, we sit there and we realize that we're just alike. And most people don't have a problem with it, and they hope that their pictures could be used to promote change. You have shot a lot of veterans and a lot of the guys that have been in war like you've been in war and when you have that conversation with them in terms of the images that you are shooting uh, and they come back from war and, and life is a lot different than it is on the battlefield what seems to be the the mindset or what are you thinking in terms of the social justice issues that you're fighting for in another country for but now you come back to this country and like you said, you could be the Freddie Gray or you could be any number of things that are going on in society. Um, <clears throat> most people don't understand, you know, what it is that veterans go through. Uh, myself being a vet and living with PTSD, most people just look at us as regular individuals. A lot of people don't know some of the horror stories that a lot of us go through. And as it relates to social justice, I use my camera as a tool to tell those stories. You know, I meet veterans all the time. And everybody thinks just because someone goes into the military and goes off to war that when they come back, you know, they're taken care of and everything's okay. Um, <clears throat> I met a gentleman about a year ago. He was a Vietnam vet. He was from Philadelphia. Really, really nice guy. And um, we used to play pool together every day. And um, his name on the pool table was One Shot, One Kill. He couldn't make a ball to save his life, but, um, <laughs> you know, we, we stayed in touch after we left. And um, I talked to a gentleman a few weeks ago, and um, since getting out of a treatment program, he was homeless. He found transitional housing, and they allowed him to stay there, I want to say maybe 30 days, 60 days. And whenever your time's up, you have to go. And his time was up, and he didn't have anywhere to go. So they were uh, they granted him another extension, and I haven't talked to him since. But those are the stories that need to be told. Yeah. You're right. Those are the stories that need to be told. I think many times when we go into an art gallery or go into a museum uh, and see work like yours, we're many times saying, oh, that's a... Oh, such a horrible thing. You know, look what happened to these guys. But I would imagine that now that you're using the, the camera as a therapy tool, people, and you have conversations with people, that people are starting to look at things a little bit different? Um, very much so. Um, <clears throat> a lot of people, you know, after talking and looking at images, they never knew that these are some of the things that soldiers go through. And um, some of my work that I've put out, um, I've received several messages, you know, text messages, emails from soldiers who were going through the same thing. And up until they saw my work, they kind of felt hopeless. And there's no better feeling than, you know, getting a message from a soldier who's on the verge of committing suicide. But after he looked at my work, read a little bit about me that his whole perspective changed mm -hmm. and now that he's going to use his camera to carry on a legacy yeah you know 
as 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 cur- I just want to chime in because as you know, curating the show, one of the things that really drew me to to Michael's work was uh, a lot of the uh, you being in the trenches of a lot of the civil you know uh, uprising, the protest marches, and things of that nature. I mean, there's a couple images specifically that caught my eye of um, a young brother face down on the ground with cops around him. You know how much I love that image. And I would encourage anyone to definitely follow Michael on Instagram and see see his full body of work. Uh, but can you talk a little bit about being in those moments uh, of, of you know, <coughs> civil unrest and some of the things that we've been facing and some of the things that we don't see, like on the newscast? Because many of us are not there in the present. What I mean, what are you seeing? Um, I'm seeing a reflection of my childhood. You know, growing up in Baltimore, I mean, we were all fair game by the police. You know, the police didn't need any cause to stop us, you know, they just stopped us because they could, because that's what they wanted to do. And, um, you know, showing these images, you know, someone from a middle-class suburban neighborhood, you know, their opinion or their thoughts of the police are totally different than someone like mine. So I just wanted to bring that to light because up until maybe a few years ago, it was always their word against ours. So, I feel as though <clears throat> these things need to be, you know, put into the public spotlight. Before I move on to Aziza, you know, I initially talked about that question of how artists fit into society, whether it's necessary to even ask that question. Uh, you talked about police brutality, we talked about the veterans, you talked about using your camera as your voice. Mm-hmm. Is this a question that we need to be even asking about how African American artists fit? My question is: No, you, um, Michael. Can you repeat it again? I was saying, do, do we need to be asking the question of how do African American artists fit into society? Um, we, we definitely fit. We definitely have a role, and you know that role is to document history. You know, because if you ever break the word history down, it's his story. And if we're not out there documenting our history, who's going to tell our history? Who's going to you know carry in a legacy? And who's going to know what it is that we go through? as African-American people. Aziza, you've done a lot of interesting work uh, as well, coming from a different medium. The the beauty of this particular exhibition is that everyone walks a different journey, but they're trying to get to the same place. And that is empowerment, and that's uh, freedom, and that's understanding how valuable and worthy they are as not only human beings, but as artists. But can you speak to that whole issue around how do you fit? You and I chatted uh, uh, several days ago about this whole process of how do we define the role of African-American artists and who are we? And, and you shared some things with me that I thought were extremely interesting in terms of it being a global, a worldwide experience. Could you talk about that stuff? Well, <clears throat> I think that the, uh, the job that Michael does is very, the, very important. Can you all hear her? Oh. Okay. Use the mic. Use the mic. Okay. I think the job that Michael does is... Um, is key. We do have to document what our experience is for future generations. Um, Then I think I'm the other side of the coin, or I'm moving to another space in that. Um, I want us to, I want to capture somehow the promise of who we can be. Um, we have been fed a litany of uh, stereotypes and experiences that we as black people should have or have had. But what I would like to open up is who could we be and, um, and who were we because we've we've forgotten. It's been erased. It's been destroyed. It's been, um, it's been hijacked. And um, so uh, I, I'm on a quest trying to find that. And it's led me to abstraction because it allows, it, it allows me to get beyond the black body to um, to the spirit, and um, we are an extremely spiritual people. 
and we are an extremely powerful people. Um, I was telling a young person that um, years ago, um, Malefi Asante um, read a piece from the Zulu Personal Declaration. It's an incredible document. It was uh, written down in the 1860s, I believe. But it's kind of a spiritual manifesto. And in it, you start to understand that our people saw themselves as an intricate piece of the universe, that the universe could not function without each and every one of us, and that this, this, that we are the universe and the universe is us. That's a tremendous, that's a tremendous idea. Hey, Black Art in America family, this is Najee Dorsey. Thank you again for listening to another installment of Buy Your Talk. We're going to take a minute to bring you up to speed on some of the things that we've got going. If you uh, enjoy this particular program or the other programs here on Black Art in America and would like to be a patron supporter, we now have that capability. So visit the Patronage uh, link. You can find it in the Educational Resources tab in the navigation bar. I also want to make you aware of we're introducing BuyBlackArt.com will be a fine art listing place for artists and collectors to list works at no commissions. That's right, no commissions. So be sure to stay tuned for that. That's launching June 1st. The other thing is that if you've always wanted to start a business or you've given thought to starting a business, we now have Garden Art for the Soul. So look for the Garden Art Biz link in the nav bar. And once again, thank you for listening to this message of some of the new and exciting things happening with Black Art in America. And we're going back to the program. And it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit those bodies that you see that they shoot and the outlines on the floor. It doesn't fit the, uh, uh, the mammy concept. It doesn't fit the, the, um, uh, the service people, the way that, that we are, that we are shown to be. It's so huge and so dynamic that it outshines all of that. And um, somehow, we can and must tap that thing so that we can be who we truly are. And I'm trying to figure out, how do you, how do you visualize that? Um, so um, I like to ask uh, very, I guess they're, um, <laughs> <laughs> They're difficult questions and uh, concepts, and I like to work with those through my work. Can you talk a little bit about the work you've done? We've got one of your images on the uh, stage, and it, can you talk about that piece? Because okay. can anybody, everyone see that piece? This, um, Great. this piece right here. And this is a part of a series of, I guess it's somewhere, I guess 29, 30 pieces. And there, um, it's a series titled Playing to Win. And in this, I'm asking the question of what is winning? What is this thing that makes us feel so exuberant and, um, and joyful and um, powerful? What, what is winning? And I think uh, what made me want to do this is that I began to understand that this country, this America that we live in, has a certain amount of addiction to winning. It doesn't lose well. And it will fix things so that it always wins. The majority population will fixes things in the society so that they win. Um, so, in this, um, in this series, I use everyday board games and everyday games. So there's tic-tac-toe in there, there's Parcheesi, there's snakes and ladders, there's all kinds of different games that I, um, that I use in an abstract manner. 
uh, backgammon. And, um, and I use a line, a brushstroke that's kind of like a force because as I did this work, I was meditating, I guess, on this whole concept of winning. And um, it came to me that perhaps winning is a force. And that force is neither positive nor negative. But it is determined by the, the, the uh, quality of that win. It's determined by the character and by the, um, uh, of the person that is involved in it and the intent of the person that is involved in it. So um, I was looking at winning in terms of a personal thing, but I was also looking at it in terms of a nation. And losing, you see, opens the opportunity to, for self-inspection. It, it opens the opportunity to determine if something needs to be improved. It opens up the opportunity to try harder. Um, and I, and I was, so I was looking at America and, um, and this whole thing of needing to win. And um, so I did a series of uh, pieces around it, and this is one of the pieces. You know, what comes to mind is you're talking about games, and at some point you decide that either you want to sit at the table, whether it's chess or checkers, and, and play the game. Mm -hmm. And then at some point you decide that this game is not quite adding any value to my life. Mm -hmm. it's a, why am I sitting here moving the pieces when I know that there's a possibility that I may not win or it might not be beneficial to the full scheme of things. You spoke about uh, what's happening in the country, what's happening in the world. Uh, it's, as, as an artist and also as human beings, because many of you that are listening to this and being a part of this process today are not artists, but also people that at the end of the day, and I'm sure Najee would agree with me, that you will leave here and say, how can I go out and add value? Not only add value to other human beings, but add value to my community, add value to the world. So at what point when you're as an artist, uh, and, and maybe that question could be asked of the three of you, that you consider that I want to be a part of the game, but you know, this game is not working for me, or I need to change the rule of the game so that I can make it work where I am adding value to the process that we call life. Can you kind of speak to that for some reason? <coughs> well, that's a good one. <laughs> well, um, I think that um, the game has the ability to add to a person's, to any, any game has the, the uh, ability to add to a person's life. It depends on how you come to that game. If you come to it with integrity, if you come to it with skill, if you come to it wanting to share and learn and laugh, or, uh, or uh, strategize, all of these are things that can add to a person's uh, being and their humanity. But there are people that come to games wanting to uh, manipulate, wanting to um, uh, uh, put another person down. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it's the energy that you bring to it, yes. For the viewer as well as the person that's participating in it. So at the end of the day, when someone sees that collection or body of work and they walk away from it, is there a specific thing that you want them to take away from that? Or are you allowing them to be in their own space of individuality and empowerment? I want them to be in their own space to think about what it means to them, for them. Uh, I, I, um, I express, you know, I come to it one way, but a, a viewer, a, any person that comes to work, they come with their own life experiences, and they have, uh, that life experience uh, can help them to interpret the way work in ways that I could never imagine. So I, it's, it's, uh, it's your world. 
Najee, I want to ask you a question. There's an image, and I don't know if you guys can see it. I'm going to kind of move out of the way so you can fully kind of take it in. She talked about us being a spiritual people uh, and uh, how important uh, one may utilize that spirituality in terms of making society better. You've got a piece here uh, called Deacons for uh, Defense. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about how uh, maybe your need or why you found it was important to even tell this story in terms of uh, taking that big leap as we talked about uh, you know the, those from the spiral era in the Harlem Renaissance mm -hmm. and the, uh, the 30s they were telling their own story right. and now we're here in 2018 and you've got a story to tell. Uh, mm -hmm. What is that story and how is it important for you to decide whether uh, the benefit of African-American artists could really make a difference in society. And well, I could, I mean, there's a number of things to tackle there. I mean, but getting to this piece right here, Deacons for Defense, it came, it's from a body of work that I did. I started in 2011. Uh, and just say, you know, as, as artists, we work on a number of different things and not all my work is about resistance or social justice or protest, but this particular piece is. It's part of a body of work entitled Resistance. And I wanted to give voice, I wanted to lend my creative energy to telling stories that are often untold. Um, and so after looking, looking at, you know, I'm a 45-year-old male, uh, African-American male, you know, growing up we hear these stories of, you know, the civil rights and turn the other cheeks and things of this nature. We never hear the stories about the men and women who would resist and put up a fight to protect their families, to protect their community. And so I wanted to do a body of work to kind of pay homage to them. Uh, in the late 50s, there was a group of men who openly took up arms, you know, a rebellious act to fight the Klan, to keep the Klan from, from harassing the community. And they formed a group that became called the Deacons for Defense and Justice. It started in Bogaloo's, Bogaloo's Louisiana, uh, I think in 50, 59. And they were around for about 20 years, and at their height, they had over 20 chapters. And so my body of work of resistance and the work that I've got here it spans from, you know, panel homage to people like Tucson Louverture. I've got a piece up there outside that's about Gullah Jack, who was a conspirator with uh, Denmark Vesey in the 1820 slave revolts. And I've also got pieces out, outside that's um, centered around the, the Occupy movement of 2011-2012, and where I use the images that people would carry around in protest. And I would reinterpret those images and, and, and to make it into an art form. So this piece here references um, the Deacons for Defense and Justice in '59, and also uh, I, I kind of a you know a highlight on you know uh, uh, or you know a touch a touch on the the Birmingham bombing, the bombing that happened with the four little girls. So that's the particular narrative with this. That's that's my art practice. I think that uh, you can come on up here. The um, I want everybody to be able to kind of take oh. it in. It's <laughs> cool. And so what, what I would say, you know, that also plays a role into what we do with Black Art in America, if I could kind of segue that, is our mission is to document, preserve, and promote the culture um, and present African-American uh, visual culture. And so, you know, it's interesting, it's, it's important for us to document the stories, it's important for us to partner with events like these and also to present opportunities where people can meet the artists, where collectors can, you know, meet artists and be able to gather and network and, you know, all that plays a role into what we're doing to document our culture and to show that we exist and, and that we're here. Uh, and so as a, as a media outlet, you know, the, my practice as a visual artist also impacts our practice as a company and what's important to us. I had the opportunity of writing a piece about to add value to the exhibition today and it was called New Generation of Artists Weaves Common Thread for Community Empowerment. Mm -hmm. And one of the questions I asked was how do I see myself, meaning how do African American artists see themselves, how do they want to be seen, well how do I see myself, how do others see me, and how do I want to be seen. I mean, I continue to ask that question in terms of being validated mm -hmm. as African-American artists, uh, whether there's a time in which you say, no one else can validate me, no one else can see the, uh, the value in who I am as an artist. Can you speak to that? Because is it important for someone else to create that uh, validation, as it were, or 
we're going to walk away from what happened at the Harlem Renaissance. We're going to walk away from the 30s. And you said enough already. Mm. We know I know who I am and I know what I uh, want to be and should be and what the future of art is uh, yeah. in America. Yeah. So, I think, oh, that's a bit. We're welcoming LaVette Ballard to the, to the stage. Right. All the way from Give Philly. Give her a round of applause. Yeah. She's coming all the way from New Jersey. And, this is uh, and her piece is a piece in the back called Bag Lady. Uh, welcome. We're so glad to have you. Uh, just to give our audience a little bit of an introduction of who you are. She comes from the state of New Jersey. Uh, let's give New Jersey a big round of applause. <laughs> and she has been an artist for quite a long time. Uh, like uh, Aziza, she's a college professor but has embraced something that was really kind of on the back burner back during the spiral era. And there was only one woman as a part of that group, which was Emma Amos. And so LeVette has decided that someone's gonna pick it up along with all these other sisters out here who are amazing artists and be able to empower uh, society on the importance of uh, a woman's place, a woman's role to express her, their struggles and to talk about their successes. So. What I was talking get, talking about, uh, getting ready to, to uh, expand the question on is how do I see myself, how do others see me, and how do I want to be seen? From the fact that you are doing a lot of work and creating images around women, can you speak to that in terms of how women fit into society and how, as you being an African-American uh, female artist, whether that's a question that we need to even think about. I need Use the mic. <laughs> There's a mic down on your end. Okay. It's actually, not in your phone. <laughs> actually, let's see. Uh, the reason why I'm looking at my phone is because it's ironic you asked me that question. Uh, just yesterday, I'm very big on social media and I'm always posting things here and there. And I actually had a quote that I want to read, and it pretty much is my same statement on how I feel about black women and especially in how they relate to art. It is the most disrespected person in America is the black woman. The most unprotected person in America is the black woman. The most neglected person in America is the black woman. And that quote was by Malcolm X. And uh, that kind of is, where I approach my art, I'm looking at the art as a way of visually storytelling the stories that are often overlooked when it comes to African-American history. Uh, a lot of times we hear about these great men who do these wonderful things to elevate us as a culture, but the women that we hear about are few and far between. And not saying there aren't more, but we don't hear those stories and we don't see those stories. Uh, a lot of times it's the nameless women, the women who uh, no one knows about, uh, the women who go unrecognized. Uh, one of the pieces I recently did um, for the African American Museum in Philadelphia was actually highlighting men, but one of the photos that I used was from a woman, and the woman was uh, James Cheney, uh, one of the <clears throat> three men that were killed during the civil rights movement, the martyrs. Uh, he was out doing voter registration with Schwerner and I forgot the other gentleman from the North. Yes, and uh, they were killed in Mississippi. And the photo is an image of him as a child. And I got the photo from his sister. And I wanted to include the photo because A, the piece I was doing, yes, was about men. But I was so moved by her story of her mother. And you never think about the mothers who sacrificed their children to the movement, uh, who were the first glimpses of why these children, these men, these women went on to become what they became. 
Hey, Black Art in America family, this is Najee Dorsey. Thank you again for listening to another installment of Buy Your Talk. We're going to take a minute to bring you up to speed on some of the things that we've got going. If you uh, enjoy this particular program or the other programs here on Black Art in America and would like to be a patron supporter, we now have that capability. Visit the patronage uh, link. You can find it in the Educational Resources tab in the navigation bar. I also want to make you aware of we're introducing buyblackart.com will be a fine art listing place for artists and collectors to list works at no commissions. That's right, no commissions. So be sure to stay tuned for that. That's launching June 1st. The other thing is that if you've always wanted to start a business or you've given thought to starting a business, we now have Garden Art for the Soul. So look for the Garden Art Biz link in the nav bar. And once again, thank you for listening to this message of some of the new and exciting things happening with Black Art in America. And we're going back to the program. So uh, I really wanted to include his image as a child because that's the child she was remembering when she knew he was not coming home. She wasn't thinking of the adult, she was thinking of the child she raised. Uh, a lot of the stories I'm telling are about the women, the um, wives, the sisters, the um, aunties, you know, and I try to uh, illustrate them in a way that is uh, fanciful but also uh, empowering. And that's my main goal with my work. You mentioned the unsung hero, the sheroes, as it the were. The uh, It's interesting, as I sit here, I arrived yesterday, and uh, I had the pleasure of meeting, and seeing again, I've seen her so many times, is Najee's wife. Oh, and uh, and so I called, I introduced her to a number of people, and I said, I'd like you to meet the first lady. And she kind of looked at me with like, well, what is she talking about? And I start, started to think about, you know, uh, typically you say, well, there's a strong man, but behind every strong man is a woman. And then I started to look at the work that she does, and I looked at her title as Chief Operating Officer of Black Art in America, and then when I called and I was saying, she, no, he said, you need to talk to her. You know, so I started to think about how important it is for us to see the value uh, in the women that are running things. Sometimes it's not the CEO uh, title, but you say, well, who's writing the checks? He said, well, you need to call her, <laughs> which is exactly what she, he said. You need to talk to her about the logistics because she is the first lady. And so I just wanted to kind of throw that in because many times we are, we don't, we know the men's names. But we don't know the wives' names. We don't know the significant others' names. We don't know the daughters' names who are taking care of a lot of things in society. And even when I look at your image back here, uh, the bag lady, and I, and I don't know if people can see it very well, but hopefully you guys, when, it's, when this session is over, you can take a good look at all the work out there as well as these pieces because they all tell some amazing stories. And when I thought about how society has, you know, kind of moved and swerved, and you say, well, she was a bag, a bag lady. And then someone said, well, she used to be a senior executive at a major corporation. She just kind of got on hard times. And someone didn't see the value in who she was. And so therefore, she lost the feeling of being valuable. And she became the bag woman. Mm -hmm. And she's that woman that used to you know, walk you to school when you were in elementary uh, age. But she wasn't a bag woman then. She was Miss So-and-so, who may have been the, the lady in the cafeteria. And so I want to really kind of uh, ask you the question, how do I see myself? How do other people see me? And how do I want to be seen? And I know, I don't know what our time is like. Are we getting close to 2.30? Oh, fabulous. Um, how that works for you in terms of you being an African-American artist. And I want to kind of go down the road again, because I, is I, when I wrote this piece, I continued to ask the question, is it important for you to be validated as an African-American artist? Who validates you, if anyone? And why is it important to even ask the question? Can I start with you, Lavette? Uh, it is important to be. I think, in a way, it's easy to say, go the noble route and say, oh, it's not important. I really don't care what other people think. No, you do. There is no human being that does not want to be recognized for your hard work and what you give back. Uh, so, yes, I do want to be, 
you know, validated in what I do. Uh, when I'm recognized in the future, I want to be recognized as first an African American woman, I mean, African American, a woman, and a mother, and then an artist. Um, wife goes without saying, my husband, he's somewhere around here, but uh, that goes without saying, but uh, it's very important that I'm identified as African American. And it's very important I'm identified as an artist that recognizes herself as being African American. I'm not Afro-Cuban, I'm not African uh, uh, Latino, you know, I'm born and raised here in America and I'm proud of that. Uh, and I really want my work to be able to portray my people as the kings and queens I imagine in my head that they should have been and will be. So, Aziza, what are you thinking about that? That's funny. Um, I never, I, I used to always call myself. Can you talk a little bit more in the back? Oh, I, I, is that better? Yeah, it's better. Um, I remember uh, as a young woman, I would talk about myself as being a black, <laughs> a black woman artist. And I made it all one word because I couldn't separate them. <laughs> and I think that still stands. Um, as far as is it important to be validated, um, so many of us aren't. Um, and we continue. And that tenacity I absolutely value. Um, so I think that Though it is wonderful when one is recognized, I think we have to understand that we operate, we continue regardless. And as far as who validates us, um, I think the most, for me, the most important validation is the validation that comes from my own people. Um. I want to I kind of switch your question up just a little bit, Michael, because <laughs> what happens is, and the reason I'm doing that, because he's in a space that maybe a lot of us have never been in, that's the military. And I know that every, a lot of times when you're around military people, people probably come to you and say, I want to thank you for your service. Is that something that you hear a lot? Yeah. When they find that you were in the Marines or the Navy or the Army, whatever branch of service you're in. But very seldom, um, and maybe not by paying close attention, but very seldom am I seeing a lot of people coming up to a brother that it says, I want to thank you for being the great daddy that you are, or the great son that you are. And I know this past Father's Day, I went through my phone and I called and texted all the men that I know that are amazing people, and I just praise God that I know amazing men in my life. I can't say that I know men have, you know, and, and there are men that, you know, everybody's walks a different journey, and some men are in the prisons, you know, big time. But there are a lot of guys that are going to college. There are a lot of African-American artists that are men. But has any, when you think about the work and the things that you shoot in terms of validating you as a photographer, has everyone ever walked up to you and said, I want to thank you for that amazing photo you did. It really told a story that kind of went deep in my heart. Um, generally, no. Um, <clears throat> every now and then I'm, I may be on the street or either generally like in social circles with other photographers, you know, some of color and some others um, may, you know, thank me for something that I've done. But as far as validation uh, for me, Validation is knowing that my work has the ability, ability to create change. You know, for me, being validated was like yesterday. You know, I took some time out of my day to go mentor some kids. You know, these kids have never seen a camera, and most of the kids that I spoke with yesterday, <clears throat> are you guys familiar with like Southeast? Um, what's that, like Bruce, Bruce Place? So a lot of these are like low-income kids, and these kids have been affected by gun violence. And I came to speak to these kids at the form of art therapy. So for me, that's validation. That's wonderful. Validation. You know. <clears throat> Nazi, can, can you talk about that, please? 
Uh, well, I'm kind of a, a little bit of a rebel in the sense that I think that, you know, black art in America exists. I mean, I want to take it off for me to really talk about Baya because I think black art in America exists is because, you know, I saw the lack of representation to tell these stories, you know, to share the stories of the artists and the collectors and, and the visual arts community. And for me, it's to, to be seen, to be heard, to be validated. And that's where we put our resources. And I appreciate it when, you know, people see the work that we're doing to document and tell these stories and to present, you know, opportunities um, that we do that, you know, we exist because, you know, we, we matter. We see that we matter and we want people to understand that there's a there's a home for African-American artists and those who appreciate the aesthetic and the community of African-American art. We got people from all over the world. And so um, when you can't find the validation you're looking for, I mean, that's, you know, I always say that when we start, when the concept started for Black Art in America is because Obama said, you be the change that you're looking for. And so we are enough. You know, our collectors that support our work, for me, that's enough. And, and I guess when you look for validation, the question becomes, are you, how are you gauging success? And so, you know, people look at success at so many different ways. I know artists who, yeah, I mean, they want to be on the white walls. They want to be in the museums. But they've been in the, in the field, in the trenches for 40 years, finding support all over the country. You know what I mean? And so the mere fact that they are cre continuing to create and we are continuing to create and have success, that's, that's really the validation uh, is, 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 you know, let's say our, our existence, our resistance, or the fact that we are continuing to do, you know, what we can. I mean, because really this is an anomaly to have, to be able to make a living as an artist, to be able to do what we do as an artist. We are in the, you know, you're talking about the 1%. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this is, this is not commonplace. And so I think that the, the last thing I would say is that, you know, really understanding, you know, what success may be for you and really taking a look at how we view validation is going to be an important individual experience. And so, because I found that oftentimes that grass is not necessarily green on the other side. I mean, I just had a, you know, a, a significant show with a, a, a very, you know, phenomenal contemporary gallery. And so, you know, there are deficits and advantages in, in all walks, in all places. And so, you know, I found that our community, the people that support African-American artists, uh, is definitely more than enough and there's a number of people out there whether they're black or white but definitely the african-american community because i hate when people paint this broad brush strokes that black people don't support the arts i mean that's that's further from the truth and so i just want to thank everybody that 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 support the arts whether you know patron collector uh so on and so forth and you ayana and i want i want i want you to i want to say ask, ask you a question because ayana <laughs> is uh, she wrote the piece and please uh get the catalog the article online by the catalog, by the catalog you know the uh but she wrote a phenomenal piece and i was like yo you know you've got to come if you could come and be a part of this uh weekend i would we would love to have you and she was at the original march on washington and a huge advocate for the arts and so i want you to talk a little bit yourself about that experience well at 12 years old needless to say i wasn't thinking as much about art as i was thinking about <laughs> empowerment and uh, equality when I came to the March on Washington uh, back in 63, but I grew up in an environment that was uh, one, we sat around the dinner table talking about equity and equality in my, in my family. My grandfather had been a part of the uh, Pullman Porter movement, and I started as a sit-inner in Oklahoma City two years prior to Greensboro, North Carolina, so I was seven years old and continued to sit in until I was 14. And so the things about feeling good about yourself, and one of the things I mentioned in the article, my mom used to say, you're just as good as, but not better than. And so when Najee talks about you know, the validation of how important it is uh, to validate yourself as an African-American artist, but also the collectors and those that are reading books and those that are seeing the importance and the worth, it's just imp as important to me as the guy who has the easel and the paintbrush. And so when he asked me to, uh, you know, give some thoughts about how Spiral fit into the full scheme of things and then how contemporary artists um, are moving forward. And I, I use the word futurist because it's really now, the here and now is not just the future, it's what we're doing today. And thought about the title of the article, which was The Common Thread. And The Common Thread is really perseverance and empowerment and seeing the value in who you are. So these are all the things that I learned as a little child as a part of the March on Washington when Dr. King told us, you know, it's not about the uh, color of your skin, but the content of your character. 
And many people today don't even get that, whether they're 45 or 55, or even we're not able to teach our young people how important it is to kind of accept, as LeVette says, yes, I'm a young African-American child, but yes, I can go to Harvard, but I can also go to Hampton. And so it's my own personal choice of seeing who I am as a, as a person. And so the idea of trying to empower a community uh, is valuable. One of the things that I'm doing, and it fits into, you talked about art therapy and how we use our uh, voice as artists, is that experience I had as a young kid in the sit-in movement by me creating something called I Have a Voice Now, which teaches children about advocacy and activism. And one of the things that children are saying to me as I travel the country is, I'm an artist. You think I could paint some pictures? You think I could tell my story about how I feel about the world? And I said, absolutely. It's not about necessarily you having a picket sign. Are you making a big brouhaha that way? Your art can speak for itself. Your art can tell the story. Your art can also empower other little people, and I'm talking about little people. I've talked to the kindergarten, the first and second graders, and they're saying, well, Mrs. Juma, can I paint a picture? Can I send it to you? And I got, I've gotten 25,000 letters from children all over the country, and I started to open these letters, and I didn't even tell you this, but there are kids that have drawn pictures in the letters and are sending them to me to show how they fit in society and how important it is that they are valued and appreciated. So this is the walk that I've been walking for a long time uh, and just felt very honored to, to want to put a period at this end of this question about, you know, it's important that uh, how I fit in society, every day you wake up, I ask God, how are you going to use me? What is your plan for me? No one else has to tell you that in terms of making a difference in the world. You look around you. because <laughs> You talk about police brutality. You talk about foster children. You talk about mothers who can't feed their kids. You talk about a variety of social issues. It's, it's a no-brainer. So I'm just glad you guys came out today and took some time out of your busy schedule. Washington is crazy. You know, this is a Friday too, people are trying to get to the beach, people are trying to get to the Hamptons, people are trying to get to the this and the that, and all of you decide, you know what, this is important because these people are telling their story, and hopefully at the end of the day you will be motivated if there's that little something inside of you, whether you're a writer or whether you're a painter or you've been messing around with some clay, and you decide, I want to, you know what, I heard these four amazing artists. I saw some work that was done not only by contemporary artists today, but artists that were part of the spiral movement. Gaiman's work is out there. You know, and, and I want to kind of mention those names and have you to take a moment to think about what those guys were doing in 1963, when, as you mentioned, Folks were getting shot up, Cheney. You know, it's a long list of things that were going on in 63. Not to, you know, uh, minimize anything that's going on today, because we got a lot, a lot of work to do. But I'd like to mention those names, and, and, and maybe those are some people that you've heard of. If you haven't, if you arrive to the library and, and, and uh, check out a book, I'm a big believer in the library. <laughs> My mother said, the two most important cards you have is your library card and your social security card. So I'd like to mention those names, and I'd like to take a moment for you to kind of think about where they were walking in that space and what they were saying as artists, as human beings, as change agents. Hey, Black Art in America family, this is Najee Dorsey. Thank you again for listening to another installment of Buy Your Talk. We're going to take a minute to bring you up to speed on some of the things that we've got going. If you uh, enjoy this particular program or the other programs here on Black Art in America, and would like to be a patron supporter, we now have that capabilities. Visit the Patronage uh, link. You can find it in the Educational Resources tab in the navigation bar. I also want to make you aware of we're introducing BuyBlackArt.com. will be a fine art listing place for artists and collectors to list works at no commissions. That's right, no commissions. So be sure to stay tuned for that. That's launching June 1st. The other thing is that if you've always wanted to start a business or you've given thought to starting a business, we now have Garden Art for the Soul. So look for the Garden Art Biz link in the nav bar. And once again, thank you for listening to this message of some of the new and exciting things happening with Black Art in America. And we're going back to the program. And then I also want to... <laughs> 
my sister and I have been talking about Jean-Michel Bakia for the last three, three days and how much his last work got uh, bought for, 110 million. And I thought to myself, everybody at this table doesn't have to work, wait to die to have someone to buy their work at that price, to see the value in what they were doing. And she and I talked into the wee hours of the morning last night about Bakiat about what, was the, what story was he trying to tell. And one of the things that we came to the conclusion was he didn't give a crap about what you thought about his work. And there were people that walked into his gallery and while he was producing work and said, I don't like that green, I don't like that pink. And he was like, well, you don't like that green, you don't like that pink. But this is who I am. But I want to go through this long list and then I want to give you guys an opportunity to ask the experts. I'm just the conduit, the glue that kind of keeps them all together in terms of motivating, inspiring them, uh, encouraging you to uh, not only look at the work, but pick, going to, pulling out the credit card. That, that came up in, in, in Arkansas back in, 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 in Najee and I were in, in Arkansas in February and, and one of the famous artists, he said, you know what, it's great for you to say the, the work looks great, but did you pull the Visa and the MasterCard out? <laughs> did you pull the check out? Because that's how you have to support the artist so they, they can take that word struggling artist out of a vocabulary of a young person that wants to be an artist. So I'm going to go through the, the list. Um, the first person is a, a, list, a name that everyone knows a great deal about, and that's Robert Bearden. And then there's Hal Woodruff, Charles Austin, Norman Lewis, James Jurgens, Merton Simpson. And there, were, there was a young artist by the name of Felroth Hines, Richard Mayhew, William Pritchard, Emma Amos, Reginald Gaiman, Al Hollingsworth, and later Carl Douglas, Perry Ferguson, William Majors, and Earl Miller joined the list. And these were 15 people that said, you know, I need to ask this question, where do I fit? But as you go through history and look at the work that they've done, I think if they were sitting with us right now and they were thinking or contemplating that question of where do I fit, they may have said, you know what, as bossy I said, we can wipe that, word, that question out. We don't need to ask that question anymore because we got people like Michael McCoy and Najee Dorsey, and Aziza Claudia Gibson Honey, and Lovette Ballard answering the question for us. It's not necessary anymore. We've got talent. These are only four. But there, there are artists around this country that are telling stories that will knock your socks off. What would knock your socks off? So I want you to give those names a round of applause that I just mentioned. So they came from a place. 55 years ago that we didn't even think we have to have this discussion today. Uh, I'd like to take some questions. I know you've been sitting there uh, wondering, I want to ask him something. I want to ask her something. Any questions? Would you mind standing and telling us who you are? First of all, I want to say a huge thank you to all of you. My name is Mohini, and I want to ask a question that's going to sound incredible. Can everyone hear her? Because I can bring the mic down. My question might just sound shallow after this deep conversation, <coughs> moving conversation, but can you ever, do you ever have the ability to just let go and throw color for color's sake and not paint with having to tell a story? I mean, is it, it's an honor, but is it also sometimes a burden to have to share so much and not be able to just do what maybe artists who don't have to carry so much history and so much social justice, and just like throw, just be silly, and just paint for paint's sake. Aziza, oh, can you kind of address that? You started that conversation earlier, and then oh. Lavette, because when you started that conversation earlier, I remember you said, I don't know whether I'm meditating when I set in my easel and I start to paint, or whether it's coming from a whole nother place without some intention. I think absolutely, absolutely, we can, we can do that. There's. Um, what's unfortunate is Could that... Could you put the mic up to your mouth? Oh, I think it's unfortunate that black art is it's, it's a box. And, um, it, and that's what I'm trying to say. There's a, there's, it's a universe. So um, it, it, 
there's many, many iterations of, um, of what, what we do. And yes, there's a place for fun. Mm -hmm. Lovette, you had something to say. Yeah, I was just going to say, um, as a recent graduate of a grad school program, which is a whole nother torture onto um, itself, <laughs> uh, what I can say is going into my program, my work was just about that. I just knew that I wanted to paint black faces because I didn't always see them growing up. But I did paint other uh, images, a lot of uh, non-objective work. But one thing I did learn through that program is the reason why I feel it's such a happy burden to portray black images is because it's not just educating my own people, it's educating people who are not like myself, other races. And uh, other races are very curious about um, why did you use that image? Or I think I've seen that before. Or, you know, it, it, it's educating the world on to your culture. So yes, it is fun just to be able to just create an image and not have to worry about, oh, this is what I'm trying to portray, but it's a happy burden. I think most of us, when we were doing that, our main objective is to educate and then uh, also to inform with that education, but also to uplift. And that dates back even to W.E.B. Du Bois, you know. Michael, can you talk about that? Because you, I mean, you say you carry your camera everywhere you go. So you could be sitting here and taking any number of pictures of people sitting here. And, and they say, well, what was that person thing? They look so intense. Or you saw them when they had a little laugh. Or tell us about that photographic um, motivation. Um, it's simple. It's a connection. Um, you know, the camera gives off that energy. You know, I can walk down the street and I can see someone. And uh, I get this a lot with black fatherhood. <clears throat> you know, one thing I love to photograph is black fatherhood because, you know, we're so used to hearing the stereotypes that black men aren't around. You know, everyone's being raised by single parents. So whenever I see black fatherhood, you know, that's something that I always photograph. Whether it gets me into an argument or a fight, you know, I just pick the camera up and take it. Generally, I don't really have problems. And every now and then I may have a little problem, but then once I tell the father what I'm doing, he's generally on board. But for me, it's all about the energy. Not just. Yeah, well, for me, it's, it's, it's with great pleasure that I present black culture. You know, I don't see it as a burden at all. Um, and I tell a number of different stories through my work, which I'm sure is many, you know, a number of different artists do. Uh, but it's definitely about, you know, family. It's about history. It's about, you know, love and just every day how we live. And so, and, and it's not even, it's even more specific in the sense that I'm from the South. You know, I grew up in a small town in Arkansas. And I think if you look at the body of works that I've done, my work definitely is going to give you this Southern feel, Southern culture, Southern African-American roots. And so those things are important to me first and foremost. And the beauty about it is I found enough people around this country to love and appreciate and, and, and support that imagery which, um, which I produce. So no, it's not, it's not a burden. I wouldn't use that word at all. It's a privilege that I take to uh, uh, present black culture, uh, the community of the people that I see and, and the people that I respect and the stories that I want to tell. I, I think it also, when she used the word, uh, Lavette used the word, did you use the word burdened? I said it's a happy burden. It's yes. Like yes. You know, immediately, because the way my brain functions is, I always try to, to uh, scratch at that word that may not be so positive and replace it with another word. And I thought to myself, it's a real opportunity. Yeah. It's an opportunity to go to tell a story. And, and, and when I say tell a story, meaning something that's internally, that's inside of you. Uh, and be able to share it with someone else. It's almost, I don't know if you're familiar with the word namaste, the God in me greets the God in you. Uh, and the reason I say that, whether you're an artist or whether you're a writer like me, when Najee and I talked about me writing a story, he said, ah, oh, Yana, you know, you can, you know, a thousand words, if you feel like you're really kind of feeling, the, feeling you can give me a thousand words. At the end of the day, I was like, He's going to kill me because the story is 2,500 words. <laughs> but this is what happened is, just like they do with, as being artists, 
My prayer was, dear God, and when I give speeches, I said, whatever this audience needs to hear, let it come through me. And so the same thing was when I started to write the article, and I also prayed that when he accepted, when he received the article, that he would be pleased with it. And so I think the same thing happens in art. You know, you're going to touch someone one way and touch someone else another way. I know there's some other questions. I see some hands out we got, there. No, we got to wrap it up. Oh, he said, no, you can't even. Can I get one more? No, no. They can. can we can have it outside. He said, okay. All right. I want to um, thank the March on Washington Film uh, Festival for providing this opportunity to share uh, some experiences, some talent with you today. Uh, please feel free to greet and meet uh, these artists outside this door. They'll be there to talk to you about their work, their life, their experience. Uh, they'll be there to uh, talk to you about the work they've created and what they're working on. And so let's give the, my panel a round of applause. Najee Dorsey, you listen to another installment of Bio Talks. Be sure to follow Black Art in America at blackartinamerica.com and look for us on your favorite social media platform Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. And remember, you can always shop for art online at www.buyblackart.com. <laughs>